Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. So you see a shiny new course offering on the internet, and then you visit the checkout page, and you're like, ooh, this looks so good. I think I need this. I don't know. Do I need this? Oh, my God. Do I decide whether or not to buy this? I just don't know. What should I learn next? I want to learn all the things. Does that sound familiar? Because if it does you're just like me. That is a process I go through all the time. There are so many awesome things out there to learn, to do, to grow. And I often have shiny object syndrome when it comes to seeing all these beautiful courses out there and opportunities. So what I wanted to do today on this mini episode is talk to you about my decision making process for how I decide what to learn next, how I decide whether or not a course is valuable, whether or not I should take action on it, when to buy something, when not to buy something, and also a really important permission slip that I think everyone should have when it comes to online education and online courses. That's the subject of today's episode, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Hey, hey, I made a thing and I want to tell you all about it. It's one of our new guides and it's up on our website. One of the biggest struggles in my business isn't coming up with new ideas or doing more. One of the biggest challenges is focusing, figuring out how to do less and making sure I have clarity about doing just the right things. I wish I could say that I had it all figured out and I have a magic wand to make life easier, poof, presto, but not quite. But what I do have is a structure of questions, just three questions that I return to time and time again that helps me sort myself out whenever those piles of to-do lists are getting way too long. It's a three-step process and I walk you through how to do it and what it looks like. Three questions for clarity, simplicity, and a new superpower, which is saying no to the things that you don't actually need to do. If you want the free guide, head to startuppregnant.com slash stop. That's startuppregnant.com slash stop, S-T-O-P, and you can grab the guide for free. The link is also in the show notes. It's our freebie guide for figuring out what to drop, how to do less, and how to simplify your business whenever you feel the chaos descending upon you. So every year I have in my budget a certain percentage of my business income to reinvest in growth and online learning and education. I believe so strongly that investing in yourself and your brain is one of the most important things that you can do in your career for always. Every time you learn a new skill, it is like compound interest for your brain and your career. If you take a program that helps you get better at marketing and increases your return on the client services that you do, you are increasing the value of your own self as an asset for you and your business. And you are increasing the rate that you can charge people for the work that you deliver. You're increasing the value of your results and you are making yourself more secure in your career in the long term. 
Personally, I think a lot of soft skills get underrated and we don't give them enough attention. But if you get better at writing, you get better at every single job there is out there. If you can communicate effectively, you are even better at everything. Emails, online communication, blogs, copywriting, telling people what to do, negotiation, being clear, getting things done quickly. Everything is related to writing. If you get better at marketing, if you get better at communication, negotiation, all of these things help with your long-term career. Those things aren't going away even as automation and AI and jobs change. We're still going to need at least a little bit people who can talk and think and communicate well. So my general point of view is to... I love investing in education and I love learning new things because I think it's one of the smartest things you can do. And I there is a stat out there. I don't have it at my fingertips, but it's something about the number of people that don't read another book after college. There are people who just don't read books. They graduate from college and they never read another book again. And it's something amazing. It's like 30 or 40% of people. It's not like 2% of people. And I am just, I just like, I don't know really how to comprehend that because I think I listen to 500 podcast episodes and read, I read about 40 or 50 books a year. And I am inspired by people like Bill Gates who takes think weeks just to read like seven books a day. So I really believe strongly in investing in my education because I want to continue to grow and to learn. And also because I don't know if people talk about this enough, but I think like Mastery is so fun. One of the things that can happen as you get into your career and you get into 10 and 20 years, yes, you can get into a rut. Yes, you can get bored. Yes, you can pivot and change your career. But also, there's a time when you get so much out of the skills that you have, and it is fun. It's like dancing and you're not thinking about the steps anymore. So first and foremost, I preface this episode by saying, I love education and I love learning. I am a loud, out, and proud geek and nerd, and that's where I stand on this issue. So with that as my perspective, how do you decide which courses to take and how do you not get into the trap of trying to take them all and do them all and then end up with a library of 600 unread books and 60 unfinished courses? So the first thing that is really important for me is that I set a budget. I set a fixed amount, and I usually try to invest in two or three things each year, and that's it. So I will decide at the beginning of the year what it is that I want to learn and what I'm going to focus my energy and attention on. Uh, A couple years ago, I took Denise Duffield Thomas's Mindset and Money Bootcamp, which I loved, and I sometimes still listen to those episodes over and over again. Uh, A couple years ago, I took Marie Forleo's B-School, also loved it, and go back and listen to many of those programs. But I made a conscious choice that that was going to be the one big thing that I studied and took that year. And I have a budget where I look at it and I say, okay, this is how much I'm going to spend this year on education. And it might be a percentage of my overall business income too. So if I make more money, then I can learn more things, which is even better. It's like an incentive for making more money. I'm like, yes, I get to buy more books. But I set an overall agenda and a goal. So this year, one of the things I am learning, I am in Claire Pelletro's Absolute Facebook Ads course, and I am learning how to do Facebook ads on my own for now. I will probably eventually hire it out, but I love learning things first to gain a little bit of mastery over it. And that was one of the big courses that I am taking this year. I'm also working with a business coach. 
So I, those are my two big investments for 2020. From there, I have some one-off purchases that I will make throughout the year, and I just keep track. I say, do I have the budget for education? Can I do it? And if I don't, then it's a no-brainer. I'll say, okay, put a pin in it. Let's do it next year. The reason this can be really helpful is if you make one overall decision, you're not making hundreds of small decisions. Every time you defer the decision-making process down the branch of decisions. So instead of saying, I'm going to exercise Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I just do the bike 30 minutes a day, instead asking yourself every day, should I exercise? Should I not? Should I do it in the morning? Should I do it in the afternoon? What about after dinner? Every time you defer one major decision to lots of smaller decisions, you add in a huge weight of psychological activity because you're asking your brain to make hundreds of decisions rather than one major decision. So the more that you can back up the chain and say, hey, in 2020 or in 2021, I want to focus on this area or this focus of study, and these are the topics I want to learn more about. This year, I want to become a better writer, or this year, I want to learn a lot about food. There was one year I went and I took a raw chef certification course in Bali. Yes, I did. It was amazing. And it's one of the reasons why I love cooking vegetables and raw food so much. And I didn't do it because I was going to become a raw food chef. I did it because I wanted to know more about what I was missing when it came to cooking with and understanding vegetables and how to just blend and put them together in ways without even using heat. So that was amazing. And I loved learning it. So making an overarching framework and saying, hey, this year I want to get a lot better at the legal systems of business, or I want to learn more about my mindset, or I want to learn more about rest and recovery. One year I took yoga teacher training and certification, and I it was amazing. It was amazing. It actually ended up changing my life more than I thought. Another way of framing this question that might be helpful for those of you who are struggling to figure out what the next best thing to learn is, is this question. What one thing will help me move the needle or grow the most? What one thing, if I focus on it and learn it, will help me move the needle or my growth the most? And if you still don't have an answer to this question, I encourage you to ask five or seven close people around you this same question. What one thing do you think I'm missing in my business journey or my personal growth or my career growth? Maybe you have a boss or a colleague or a mentor, and you can ask them, what one thing, if I learn it next, will make me more valuable and more resourceful for this company? If you focus on learning one new thing each year and gaining mastery over it, it may not seem like you're making that much progress in the short term, but over the years, you will be astonished by how much you grow and how much this changes the trajectory of your life and your business. Every year that you can learn new skills and gain new assets in your toolkit means that you are more valuable to you and the people around you. The next thing that I see that really stalls a lot of people or prevents them from 
really diving in and learning new things is the sunk costs of not having finished courses before or the residue from not having finished a book or a course. And I think this is so interesting because this is something we have acquired through our faulty education system. And it's something that if you spend 20 years of the first years of your life being trained how to comply, trained into compliance and trained to finish things, to complete them, to get A's, to do things perfectly and that finishing things is the best thing that you can do, then it's really, really hard to become a person that's comfortable not finishing things. It feels like we're doing a bad job or we haven't gotten our money's worth. And sometimes there can be an icky taste in our mouth when we sign up for a course and we watch two of the videos and then we feel guilt and shame and frustration that we either didn't stick to it or we didn't learn enough. And there are times when we need to do the work and stick to it more, but there's also other times that I think we aren't giving ourselves enough credit. Because if you pick up a book and the first paragraph changes your life and it inspires you to go do something differently or to talk to somebody that you need to talk to or to have an important conversation, then honestly, the book did its job. Then the course did its job. If even one video from a 20-video module changed your life, then you got more than your money's worth. And I think this is something that we get so stuck in the idea of finishing and completion that we forget that it's not our job to finish all the content. It's our job to get what we came for. And if you become a better writer or a better marketer or a better person or a better human being because of the things that you learn, then frankly, that's incredible. And that's exactly what we hoped for. So for me, when I am evaluating taking new courses or signing up for something, I look not at the entire program as a whole, but I also look at whether or not there's a particular nugget in there that'll be really useful for me. Because even if just one of the, or two of the lessons are going to help me make a major shift or change, and I can go in, get what I came for, and then not have to waste my time doing the rest of the pieces of the course, then I'm actually being more efficient and more strategic and still getting an incredible value. I feel like all of us need a permission slip to just not finish courses and be okay with taking what we need. William Derezowicz has a book. There's a couple of books. He's a great author. One of them is Excellent Sheep, which I highly recommend. But there's another book called How to Read a Book. And in it, he says, most people open a book and they start it. And then they try to read the entire thing cover to cover. And that is an excellent way to read a book. And that's one way to take the journey. However, if you want to be a little more discerning, you can read a book a different way. And he recommends this. And as you grow in your educational journey, I think this will become more and more useful for you. Read the first chapter. If you know everything they're saying in the first chapter, the next thing he recommends doing is reading the last chapter. And if you understand everything that they said in the last chapter, then you might not need to read the rest of the book unless it is critically important for you to also gain mastery over all of the examples and the step-by-step -step processes inside of the chapters. But often, people think that they need to trudge through stuff they already know or stuff that isn't relevant to them in order to be successful or satisfied with their purchase. Read the last chapter. See if it's important and relevant to you. Then be discerning and go back and pick and choose the parts that are relevant to you. A very practical example about this is, is my father is a, both my parents are, I don't know if you all know this, but they're both rocket scientists. My mom worked for NASA. My dad worked for a private commercial satellite company and then for aerospace corporation in LA. And my grandfather trained 
people at NASA in physics. And my dad is working on a book, and he is always keeping up with the latest tools and equations and the latest research and science in his field in metallurgy and composite materials and engineering. And so he told me a long time ago, he's like, I'll always buy a book that I know most of. I'll always buy the new textbooks. If there's one chapter, if chapter 13 tells me something new that I didn't know or has a new theory that I I haven't mastered yet, I'll buy it just for that one. And I was like, oh, right. People who gain mastery over things don't necessarily need to go back over the fundamentals every single time, but they will be interested in continuing to push the edge of what they know out just a little bit and a little bit more. So I will so often go around and learn from so many people, even people who like I say, oh, you know what? I know a lot of what you're teaching, but I'm curious to learn from you. Like, how did you structure this? And what was your pedagogy? And how do you bring people into this? And what do you say to beginners? And oh, yeah, okay, I would have explained that differently. And maybe I would have done this. But wow, that was really interesting that you taught it this way. You can learn so much from so many people, even if they are covering material that you already know, even if there's just one chapter that's valuable to you. So to recap the essence of what I'm saying here, number one, make sure you have the funds. Set aside a dedicated budget to your learning and your growth and your education. Make it a priority in your life. And even if your budget is $100 or $500 or whatever is appropriate for you, you can still satisfy your learning dreams through the local library, through Libby, the online app that lets you check out books for free with your library card, through like trade and borrowing programs, through massive discounts that come around. You can still be really strategic with your learning and not spend a tremendous amount of money. So one, make sure you have the funds. Two, set up a framework for evaluating what it is that you want to learn. Make a decision about what's the next thing I want to learn this quarter or this year. And then three, choose the most effective path forward that's aligned with this priority and your budget for now. But most importantly, I think number four, give yourself a permission slip to be proactive and to be an agent in your own education and to take what you need from each of the courses and not get bogged down by the fact that they aren't perfect or that you didn't finish all of them or you didn't complete them. If you read two chapters in a book and it's relevant for you and changes your life, then frankly, that book is amazing. So that is some of the insides of what I do in my own decision-making process and how I think about my own online education and my own self-education and the way that I think about learning. Your brain is one of the most important assets that you have. And the more you invest in it, the more valuable you become as a business owner and a creator in this world. You do have intrinsic value and you're an amazing human, by the way. I think you all know that I believe that as well. But in terms of added value for a business and job security, your education and your brain is your compound interest for your career. Thanks everyone for listening. And if you found this episode useful, valuable, and informative, I have a few more episodes that you might appreciate that talk a little bit more about issues that we brought up today. Go back in time all the way to episode number two for our interview with Annie Dean and looking at how we can design flexible workplaces that make more sense for parents and families. Or if you're fired up, check out episode number 23 with Sarah Lacey of Chairman Mom, where she talks all about overthrowing the patriarchy and why there may be a power or political agenda behind not granting paid leave policies. 
If you want to dive into more on the conversation about race, social justice, and getting politics into your business and what that looks like, check out episode 36 with Tepsi. Two more that you might like include Planning Ahead for Maternity Leave as an Entrepreneur, episode number 65 with Ariana Taboada. And episode number 75, we talk about what it looks like to transition back to work after a career break with Rita Kakati Shah. Because oftentimes when faced without time or paid leave, you need to plan ahead for your own maternity leave and figure out a way to make it work. That's what Ariana talks about in episode number 65. But sometimes you take a break and it ends up being one or two or three years and you realize, how do I get back into my work life if that's where I am today? Take a listen to episode number 75 if that's you. I will put all of these links into the show notes and you can always find the episode number either by scrolling through your podcast player and looking for the episode number or you can go to startuppregnant.com and then type backslash 065075002, whatever the number is that I just listed, enter the three sequence number onto our website and you can find our episodes. If you want to browse through all the episodes we've done, you can go to startuppregnant.com slash archive and see everything that we've put forward and put out to date. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, everyone, just a heads up and a reminder, if you want to listen to our long form Ask Me Anything sessions, they are 30, 45, and sometimes 60 minutes in length, and they we go deep into questions that people have. If you want me to look at your business, you want me to comment on your marketing plan, or you have a question about parenting, pregnancy, or anything in between, we are taking listener questions, and I answer them in a monthly Ask Me Anything fireside chat. It's available only to our Patreon supporters. So if you back us at the $7 a month level, you get access to this private podcast. You can get access to all of the past episodes, which is pretty cool. So if you're missing the podcast while we're on our hiatus and you want to take a listen in to these Ask Me Anything episodes, go over to Patreon and become a monthly backer at the $7 per month level and you'll get access to all of the future episodes, as well as all of the past episodes. Keep in mind that you are also supporting the work of Startup Pregnant and our growth in these early days, and that matters a ton. Every dollar helps and counts, and we appreciate so much and are grateful for your support. Patreon.com slash Startup Pregnant will take you right there. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Did I spell that right? Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Yes, patreon.com slash startup pregnant will take you there. The link will be right here in the show notes. You can go straight there. $7 a month and you get access to this entirely exclusive Patreon only podcast. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. 
And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.